Hello and welcome to the TES podcast, bringing you the highest quality education news, views and opinion to your ears via the virtual airwaves. My name is Richard Vaughan and in this episode we drop in on the main event from this weekend's London Festival of Education, a scholarly shindig that took place at the Institute of Education on Saturday. The festival was a celebration of all things education, giving guests the chance to hear from a whole range of world-leading educations, while also giving them the chance to brush up on their Bollywood and swing dancing skills. There was way too much to cram into this humble podcast, so we will concentrate on the festival's main course, served up in the shape of a question time style debate featuring Labour's Shadow Education Secretary Tristram Hunt, the leader of the Green Party, Natalie Bennett, and the Conservative Children's Minister, Sam Jima. The three politicians did not disappoint when it came to offering an entertaining political bun fight over who would provide the best offer to teachers, students and parents. To kick things off, the events chair, TES deputy editor, Ed Dorrell, asked each of the panellists how they would sell their party's education policies to a disgruntled member of the NUT on their doorstep on a dreary Sunday morning. Okay, well, what we need to do is stop our schools being exam factories that push pupils through exam after exam after exam and and force teachers to um, you know, fill in vast amounts of paperwork, often to no purpose. We want to bring um, free schools and academies back under local authority control. Uh, we want to abolish performance-related pay. And we want to bring in, bring in free tuition and universities. Education is a public good. Doors closed. Tristram. Uh, we want to work with you to raise the attainment of the poorest students. Um, we want to stretch the brightest. We want to have qualified teachers in the classroom and we make a symbol of the importance of qualification uh, for teachers. We want schools to partner, collaborate and challenge one another to raise standards so that the extraordinary success of the London Challenge is replicated around the country. We will end the free schools programme to ensure that we have planning, coordination uh, across Doors the school closing. place. Doors closing. And that's why, madam, it's always a pleasure to see a Labour voter on Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam, last but not least. Well, the most important thing for my education system is children and what comes out of it. I am very proud that one million children are now studying in good and outstanding schools. This would not be possible without the hard work of teachers who are on the front line. We want to work with you to continue to deliver on, these, um, on this success. And that means more freedom for head teachers, more freedom for you, the teachers, but also um, raising the standards in school overall. And that means, yes, there are children of different abilities. Yes, children, but we also need to make sure that whatever their ability, they come out of the school with the core subject, the subject knowledge they need English and maths, because that is what will prepare them for life in modern Britain, and you are essential to us achieving that as a teacher. Having set out their stall, the three politicians were then asked a rather pertinent question of who they seek advice from when formulating policy, and if they are listening to the profession at all, considering the number of teachers leaving the job. Hello, Alison Morgan, teacher in, the, in outer London, um, but speaking in a personal capacity. What... My two big questions are, where are you getting your advice from when you put your policies together? This is a great question. The question was, to all three of you, where are you getting your advice from? Oh, can I, no, I really do have to have a second one. On that because no, my point is, no, no. what are we going to do to stop teachers leaving, the massive numbers of younger okay. teachers who are leaving, because you're not listening to people who actually do the job do and understand. Rather than all the stuff. Tristram, 
Where do you get your advice from? Well, yesterday I got my advice from Oak Hill Primary School in Stoke-on-Trent, where I met the head teacher and the teachers. I then got my advice from Our Lady St Benedict Primary School in Stoke-on-Trent, where I met the head teacher, the teachers and the uh, pupils. I then got my advice from the head teacher of Stoke-on-Trent Sixth Form College and the head of politics, uh, Martha Stevens, in Stoke-on-Trent. I then got my advice from Carl Hayward, who's the head teacher. Uh, uh, sorry, Carl Hayward from the head teacher of Hayward Academy in Stoke-on-Trent. So I think yesterday I probably met around 15 teachers, head teachers, and from all of them I gained insight, knowledge, and advice. And I will then take other advice from Kevin Courtney from the NUT, from Chris from the NSUWT, from Chris Husbands uh, here at the Institute uh, of Education. Uh, from frontline when I'm thinking about social work, from Teach First when I'm also thinking about teachers. I get advice from as many interesting, creative, innovative people as possible on the front line, in the think tanks, in academia. Um, and that's exactly right, I think. OK. Natalie. Um, uh, I, I suppose to start with, where does Green Party policy come from? And Green Party policy is democratically made by the members of the Green Party. That is informed by evidence. One of the things the Green Party prides itself on is making evidence-based policy. So what we, those members, uh, the people who are shaping our policy, look to do is look at what the best, uh, most recent uh, evidence from around the world is. So, for example, one of the reasons why we believe that formal education should start at least one year later is there's evidence from around the world that that actually is better for pupils, better for students. Um, in terms of my personal experience, well, I'm actually a, um, a governor at Netley Primary, which is just on the other side of uh, Euston Road here. Uh, I, spent, I spent an hour and a half on Thursday at the uh, premises meeting. I know an awful lot about school buildings. <laughs> um, uh, we've, we've just had a whole, uh, half the school rebuild, so it's an, it's an enormous amount of fun. Um, but basically what we aim to do is base it on the evidence, and then we go to our m members of the Green Party. There's now 54,000 members, 54,500 members of the Green Party a lot of them are teachers, and we also very much talk to the unions. And you know, there's a, there's a whole range of manifestos around for this election from the unions. We can sign up to pretty well everything in them. And as I said, one of the important issues is performance-related pay. You know, is, is is a key issue. Okay, thank you, Sam. Well, I mean, if Tristram is speaking to that many teachers and head teachers a day, I sort of wonder how he ended up with his policy of a Hippocratic Oath for teachers, which, as far as I'm aware, no teacher really wants. Um, the, Alison, it's a very good question, and the reason why it's a brilliant question is when it comes to education policy, everyone has a view because everyone has been to school before, right? And when I go to uh, dinner with friends or whatever, everyone has a view of what we should be doing about education in their local area. So it's very challenging making policy. And I believe that education policy should take into account the views of all the stakeholders affected by education. So, for example, giving parents, Tristan would like to call them yummy mummies, the freedom to set up a school where they feel there isn't a good quality school in their area or provision is not working, I think it is right to take into account the views of parents. Secondly, I would say when it comes to developing a school-led improvement system, it is right to have teachers and schools working together to deliver that system. And it's right to get the unions involved, and we know the unions are very involved in us developing that school-led improvement system. But when it comes to teacher workload, 
which is something that we know is a real concern. We've just had a consultation, and 44,000 teachers have responded to that consultation, and we'll be taking the appropriate action as a result of that. So we need to take into account all of the stakeholders affected uh, by education. It's parents, it's the unions who represent staff, it's the teachers, it's the head teachers. We need to take all of that into account, but we also need to be aware of what is happening internationally and get some of the best practice. And that is what our academies and free school system is about. As with any good question time, there was, of course, a timely question on a subject that has been dominating the news agenda of late. And in this case, it was about the three teenage girls from Bethnal Green Academy who have absconded, it is feared, to Islamic State-controlled Syria. The question posed was, just how much should teachers be expected to police their students' political beliefs? Hi, I'm Joel Cohen from the Institute of Ideas. Um, in light of the kind of uh, the three uh, girls from Bethnal Green, uh, in who, who, who you know made their journey to uh, Turkey this week, I'd like to ask if you think schools have a responsibility uh, for the you know political views uh, of their students, and if the answer to that question. Uh, is yes, then I'd kind of like to know how you square that with what you've all said uh, about letting teachers just teach and, uh, and, you know, engage in their subject. Schools, schools have a very significant responsibility in terms of safeguarding and protection. Um, but everything we know about this case is that in terms of the students at school, their activities at school, their work at school, their views at school, nothing was coming up uh, on uh, the, the radar for the teachers. And in fact, what was happening was the radicalisation outside of uh, school through social media, through other uh, networks. So we put a lot on teachers, and quite rightly, we put a lot on uh, head teachers, but we also have to be aware, just as with their own parents, you know, they can't uh, do everything. Um, and so family, school, mosque, community, all of these elements in a young people's upbringing need to play their part together in order to uh, challenge it. And, you know, we, we, we have to go deeper and further and often in a more sophisticated manner when we think about some of this debate about British values and what it means. Because I've been around enough schools with boards on, with pictures of Her Majesty the Queen and double-decker buses saying these are British values. Uh, and that's not really a sophisticated enough attempt to think about the kind of enlightenment pluralist values which are going to combat this sort of cancerous jihadist ideology which we need to root out in the east end of London as much as in parts of Birmingham. I face challenges in Stoke-on-Trent. So there's, there's work to be done within school and outside of school. Thanks, Tristan. And Natalie, if you were to win this seat, uh, it would be a pressing issue for many of the schools in your area. It is, but I think if we go back to the question, are schools responsible for the political views of their students? Um, I mean, I, you know, we do not want schools telling people, this is your political views. And it's very important to say that. And I think, you know, I pretty much agree with Tristram in terms of, you know, schools, uh, um, you know, what, what happened here, all of the evidence from Bethnal Green is that the, the problem was outside school. So schools can be useful forces to counter, useful uh, institutions to counteract some of those forces, but we can't necessarily hold them responsible if they're not successful against some of those powerful internet forces that we've seen are having an impact around the world 
not just in Britain. But, 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 I, but, I, but, 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 but sorry, the political this, leaders also need to show some leadership on this. Well, well, I'm you sorry, you might make me. I let you. I, saying it's all right to be a member of the IRA or support ISIS or these. Well, it's well okay I, to I, have these ideas. That does not send the right message to well, these young people. Well, Do you want to clarify what you're saying, message, Well, I would like to first of all clarify that I've made it very clear that being a member of ISIS or Al Qaeda is, 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 is very. Well, what we have to do is draw a very clear line between supporting any kind of violent ideology, which, which, is ISIS, which ISIS and ideology... Well, very okay well I've clarified that, su that subsequently. Well, what you, well, tell us what you mean. Well, what I, well, I've clarified very clearly that if you support anything that involves violence, supporting violence... What about views about... Tristram. Tristram. Natalie. Thank you. Um, what we need to do, and to come back to the subject, which is to equip... Um, pupils with critical thinking, abilities to analyse what they're being told. And this is a, is a very important issue, a very important part of this. But I think, you know, and this is, so this is a protection issue, very much an issue of child protection, but it's also a, an issue of, of development, of encouraging strong development in our pupils so that they think critically. Um, and that means, you know, thinking about what you're being told, and that's something that schools do have a really important role in. Um, and we also need to make sure that we're helping parents to be part of a supportive community. And we do have to think about what British values means. And, you know, in the, the uh, anniversary, year of the anniversary of the Magna Carta, you know, thinking about freedom, human rights, those kind of things, and the way the British state behave, believe, behaves, all of those things are part of what we need to think about and help our pupils think about. Thank you. Sam. <laughs> No, I, I think this is um, an incredibly uh, serious issue, and you've narrowed it down to London. It's the London Festival, but it is it is a, a, a serious issue, and um, quite sad as well. These are not uh, jihadi brides. This is uh, child sexual exploitation um, by another name, and we've got to call it what it is. This is absolutely uh, dreadful. All the evidence uh, from the police so far is that the girls did not get radicalised at school. Um, actually, uh, one girl went um, a few months ago. They were all part of the same group. And obviously, the influences that children are exposed to are not just influences at school. They spend a lot of time on social media, and there are a lot of other ways in which children can get negatively influenced. And, but what can schools do? Schools are not responsible for their political views. Schools are supposed to teach children to engage with issues Critically is what you want. But what schools can do, and Tristan mentioned leadership, and I think this is an example of leadership, is teach children the values that matter to all of us in this country. And those values, you can mock them, British values or not, but I think it is important that we all learn mutual respect at schools, mutual respect for other people's views, mutual respect for other people's religion, tolerance, the fact that we live in a country where the rule of law is important, and we live in a country where the way we arrive at decisions is through the democratic process. And these are some of the British values that we are making compulsory to be taught in our schools. And that is how I think from the political side we can show leadership and certainly schools can be involved. Not to prescribe a political view, but to really show, demonstrate to these children what values you need if you are going to live and prosper in this country. But this is a big problem. I think it's not going to go away, and we've got further big questions for us. Thank you, Sam. And from one hot topic, we leapt to another, with Ed Dorrell asking both Natalie Bennett and Tristram Hunt to spell out their policies on u university tuition fees. 
after Labour leader Ed Miliband pledged to cut tuition fees from £9,000 to £6,000. Warning, it gets just a little bit feisty. We believe in zero university tuition fees. Education is a public good that should be paid for from general, progressive, far more progressive than it is now, taxation. And we, we shouldn't be leaving our young people going through 30 years of their life with the weight of debt, whichever level of debt you're talking about, and many of them would still face not being able to pay it off, going through 30 years of their life, for many of them from their early to mid-20s to their early to mid-50s. Whenever you earn any sort of money at all, paying that 9%, but knowing that you're never going to pay the debt off, that's a huge weight on people's lives on the future generation. Thank you. But, Tristan, can you... Have you got the costings for that? <laughs> yes. Right. No, 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 no. You're not asking questions of the Green Party. You're here to. Can you explain? Ed, you should ask the question then, because you can't just say we want everything to be free and nice without saying, well, you know, what are the costs for that? Yeah, but can you explain your party, your party policy about six grand, please? So we're just going to let, let that lie, are we? That, it that, all just be I'm asking the question. Explain yours. Explain yours. Uh, we are going to pay for the reduction of tuition fees from £9,000 to £6,000 by reforms to some of the tax allowances for pensions. So we think this is a question of intergenerational equity. Uh, we think that we need to invest in our young people whilst also securing our world-class universities. Right around the world, you pay to go to university, quite rightly, because it is an investment for your future and you will earn that money back during your professional career. Uh, and it is only right that you contribute towards that investment. But we went from having uh, relatively competitive uh, tuition fees to uh, the second highest uh, in the world behind America. We think we've seen uh, remarkable assaults on young people from, from this government. The educational maintenance allowance being only part of it, increases of rents, all the rest of it. So the Labour Party takes a progressive view of education, but also takes a sensible view that we know where the money is coming from to make this investment. We invest in our young people uh, by uh, ending some of the more advantageous tax relief systems uh, for the wealthiest in terms uh, of their pension contribution. Costed, progressive, interventionist labour policy. We're going to move on from this. Can I, can I no, say something? Uh, no, we, we've discussed it enough. <laughs> Having broken up the spat between the politicians, there was time for one final question from the audience which asked the trio to sum up their educational priorities ahead of polling day come May the 7th. Here they are. Chris Waterman from the Reduced Policy Company. We've heard a lot of vanilla flannel so far this morning. So what I would like is each of the speakers to say which two bullet points, not long sentences, two bullet points, so that we will know what separates the parties when we come to choose or in school admission terms, express a preference for a new government? That seems like a fairly decent question to finish with. So I'm going to go to Tristram. Uh, priority is technical vocational uh, education uh, to make sure that we're training young people for the jobs of the future. Schools collaborating, partnership, challenging one another to raise standards across the country. Thank you. Natalie. Um, uh, we need an education system that prepares pupils for life. Uh, and since it hasn't come up yet, we want to abolish Ofsted. <laughs> Sam? How much you put into the education system is important. We will spend £560 million more than the Labour Party on our education system in the next Parliament. And what's your evidence that we can do it? More One million children are studying in good and outstanding schools compared to 2010, so we can deliver, continue to deliver on education. And that, as they say, was that.
Indeed, that is all the time we have for this episode. If the political posturing and name-calling has whetted your appetite for more scrapping, then keep an eye out for the TES big political debate next week, which will pit the three main parties' education spokespeople against one another in our 2015 general election hustings. The TES news site's dedicated general election page will have video from the evening as well as plenty of reaction from the debate. So that just leaves me to say thank you for listening to this episode, and I'll catch up with you next time. Thanks and goodbye. Thank you.